se, I just want to say, I'm amazed. Hello, hello? Are we on here? You're on. Okay, is that better? Okay. So I just want to say that I'm totally excited about how many people are here tonight. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. So let me, let me pray. Father, thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity. Lord, thank you for the, the, the healing and the story that you've given me to, to share with other people tonight, Lord. Let it be all about you tonight, Lord, and um, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So my name is Randall, and I am a grateful believer in Jesus. I'm in recovery for codependency, chemical addiction, uh, sex addiction, and anger. Let me start by saying I take full responsibility for all of my actions. My dad was in the Navy and stationed in Bermuda, which is where I'm from, where I was born. Huh. Shortly thereafter, we moved to California where I have my first memories as a child. I was around three years old and I would stand on the couch and wait for my dad to come home and would start crying because I was so happy. I have two siblings. I have an older sister and a younger brother. Yes, I'm a middle child. My parents stayed married until my mom passed in 2005. We were considered middle class. My dad worked hard to bring home what was needed for a comfortable life. We had food and clothes, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom, housewife. She cooked, cleaned, and took care of us kids. We were raised with an iron fist. And what my dad said was the law. If he told us to clean our room before he came home from work, we did it. If we didn't, we were punished by hitting or verbal attacks, uh, whatever he thought it would take to get his point across. If I misbehaved with my mom, she would tell me, wait till your father gets home, a threat that held a lot of power. Often when I did something wrong, he would get right in my face and yell and make threatening gestures to make me flinch and then use that against me. He would often tell me if I got emotional that I better stop crying or he would give me something to cry about. This caused me to believe there was something wrong with my emotions. My brother and I fought often, and that was punishable by beatings. All this meant I grew up very afraid of my dad. I knew at a young age what fear was, and as I grew older, fear would drive me to take a low-profile attitude in life in my attempts to fit in. My dad was fun to be around on the weekends. When he, when he had time for us, he would play ball. We would, we, he would play ball in the front yard, or ride skateboards with my brother and I down the driveway. We developed a game where uh, we would roll up newspapers and try to knock each other off the boards to see who would fall off first. I played baseball in Pee Wee League, but it, I wasn't good enough to go much higher than that because I was born with an affliction called CMT. It's a neurological disease of the nerves. I walked differently than other kids and was usually the skinniest person in class. When we had to dress out for PE back in the day, the shorts we wore were very short. Needless to say, my legs got plenty of stares and laughs. I quickly became the person most harassed, mostly with words, but there were moments that are still clear to this day that were more physical. One of the worst was when I was standing around a group of kids and they decided that it would be fun to hang me on a flagpole with my belt. I was left hanging there, humiliated and in tears as the kids all laughed at me. 
I never retaliated. I just stuffed my feelings and did my best to avoid them. As my dad pumped fear into me, with my peers laughing at me daily, I was, I just stuffed my feelings and emotions as if they didn't exist. But they did, so this meant the fear just kept growing and left me insecure, never allowed me to, to find much direction or sense of purpose in life. This kept me from ever stepping out to take responsibility, so I became more of a follower than a leader. I, alwe I always... I always felt different than all the other kids. It would take years and, uh, and recovery before I realized that my fear and low self-worth manifested itself in pride. That then produced a growing anger that became my defense mechanism to pain. When my sister was old enough to babysit, my mom started working. My brother was nine, I was seven. I was my, I was nine, my brother was seven. This gave us a wider freedom that we took full advantage of. We were able to run the neighborhood because my sister would kick us out of the house so she could clean it. I started hanging out with some brothers in the neighborhood. We quickly became best friends. It was, it was at their house when I was 13 years, when I was 13 that I had my first sexual experience. In my immaturity, I had no ability to handle how great it felt. From that day forward, Mo almost every day I would try to duplicate that amazing feeling. This led me, this led into many other experiences with other girls in the neighborhood. A couple of years later, I found porn magazines under my dad's bed, and this instantly took me to a new place. I took them and hid them under the drawer in the bathroom and would get them out as often as I could whenever it seemed right for me to use the bathroom, like after dinner became a perfect time. I never tried to escape this growing addiction, so I found myself falling deeper into it as I grew older. At 15, I started smoking pot, and that began my journey into my drug addiction. At 16, I was doing mescaline, acid, crank, and whatever else was available on any given day. These drugs would only boost the desire I had to act out my sexual addiction. Soon, the two went hand in hand, and that was all I could focus on. Where my next high was coming from and where I would find my next sexual release. At 18, I was arrested for the first time and I lost one of my only two jobs I ever had. At home, my dad laid down the law and I decided to move out into a friend's house. I began a pattern of getting a job but only holding on to it for a few months at a time because they always got in the way of my desire to do drugs and party. When I was 18, I was arrested and had four felonies over my head for kidnapping, armed robbery, car theft, and credit card forgery. I now know I did all of this simply in my desire to not be different and to fit in somewhere. When I look back at this now, I can see that God had his righteous hand on me and was being patient, waiting for me. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I was looking at eight years in prison, but only ended up receiving one year in youth authority. Two years after being released, I did another six months for credit card forgery because I wouldn't give the police the name of the person I knew was using the stolen credit card. When I was 21, I moved out of Santa Clara County and ended up in Modesto living with a woman I had met in San Jose. I stayed out of trouble with the law and made meth and its closely related sexual addiction my way of life. All this time, I was working at an aluminum plant. 
I somehow managed to hold that job for 12 years. As my sex addiction deepened, I had the thought of so many sex addicts that if I married my girlfriend, I would find freedom from my sexual addiction. Of course, I would find out the truth of Proverbs 26.11, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. I continued the drug and the sex addiction well into my marriage. It was at this time in my life, my addictions were creating so much yelling and fighting at home that it came to a head. Everything changed when I found out that my wife of 10 years had been cheating on me for two years. This produced a new, greatly increased inner rage that was becoming deeply embedded as, as my character. But I had always denied, but couldn't any longer. We ended up divorced. In 1999, at 41 years old, I found myself moving to Coulterville without a job, my kids, or my wife. My addiction kept getting worse, and I spent the next several years doing whatever I wanted. I had two of what I thought were significant relationships, both of which ended as the same as my marriage, with them cheating on me. My codependency, being jealous and untrusting, produced so much anger that made me very unpleasant to be with, so the relationships fell apart. At this point, being single, my insecurity, desire to fit in, and my need to have others love me led me to people-pleasing, always thinking this trait would produce my desired results. I made it my life's goal to make others happy. I was sure that if I could make them happy through something I did, then they would want me around and love me. This, of course, never worked because it was all still selfishly driven. This only refueled my resentment and anger as I blamed them for not being happy or appreciating me. I am still learning the hard lesson that true love has no strings attached. Love is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. 1 Corinthians 13.4 In 2005, at the age of 47, a girl and I were getting high, and she told me about her dad, who had just become an ordained pastor, and she invited me to church. I went because I wanted something different. After attending the church for a short time, one day at the end of the service, I gave my life to Christ at, during an altar call. Two years later, I quit doing meth and never used again. Next year, I moved back to Modesto and became a recluse, living, complete, living in complete isolation for almost two years out of fear of ever becoming involved in drugs again. In late 2009, the Holy Spirit was deepening a longing to end my isolation and find a church. The only person I knew was my next door neighbor, so one day I asked him if he knew of a church. He brought me to Big Valley Grace. For the next year, he and his daughter would drive by my house every Tuesday night, honk the horn, and, and yell, Hey, we're going to recovery. You want to go? And I would say, Nah, I'm good. A year after coming to Big Valley Grace, I finally said yes and came to CR for the first time. On the way, the, on the way home that night, I told Mark, These people have issues. <laughs> He, of course, laughed out loud, and it took me six months to come back a second time. Today, I hate missing any Tuesday night. Uh, it, was only a, it was only his weekly persistence that got me where I am today. So I wanted to thank him and his daughter for never giving up on me. It was here, a week after week, that I heard and saw the benefits of recovery as they slowly began to change me. 
In 2011, I heard a sermon in church that gave me the ability to reach sobriety from my sexual addiction for six and a half years. I thought I had it beat, became complacent, and the temptation overcame me because I neglected to work my recovery at that moment. 1 Corinthians 10.12 says, If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. This experience has taught me a valuable recovery lesson. If I'm not working my recovery daily, I'm working on relapse. My life took a major step forward when I started my first step study. Going through the books and answering the questions opened a whole new world for me. You see, getting sober from my addiction opened up a new life of freedom. I found a new person I had never known. It is for freedom that Christ came to set us free, Galatians 5.1. I have come so far and continue to grow through the tools I have learned in recovery. Don't get me wrong. I'm a sinner, and I still need to pick myself up and dust myself off and keep moving forward. I continue the ongoing work of my hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and living in grace is amazing. In my past, the life I led was easy because sin is easy path, and I thought I could do what I wanted when I wanted and get away with it. I didn't think it meant anything to anybody, but it did. 1 John 3, 1 says, Oh, what a manner of love the Father has lavished upon us, that we could be called the children of God, and that is what we are. Becoming a child of God meant leaving my old self behind by using the tools of recovery, renewing my mind, and living a healthy life for Christ. I still struggle, yet as I continue to grow and, and nurture my relationship with Christ, I grow stronger knowing my life is not my own, but his. Now, after several step studies, I have been reminded that I don't have the power to fix my life. I have tried that for 59 years and failed. I continue to learn that this God that I'm learning to love can fix my life if I surrender and work the steps of recovery. I have also gained the knowledge that if I do what is possible, God will do what is impossible. He is doing for me what I could never do for myself. I still struggle being a codependent and my desire to please people, hoping to make them happy and like me, still doesn't work, but I'm learning. I have learned and made great progress on my character defect uh, of at times being dishonest with myself and others. I always thought I was normal with just a few issues while remaining unaware of what issues were so I never examined myself or questioned my thoughts. I just did what I thought was right. There is a way that seems right to a, to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Proverbs 14, 12. Today, through Jesus and recovery, that little boy who would do anything to fit in has found discipline and self-control through his spirit that lives in me, and I no longer have to strive as often for earthly affirm affirmations because I have affirmation of my God and most days that's enough. That fear that began as a child no longer controls me nearly as often as it once did. I still get angry, but going to group weekly with other men, working on the same issues, calling my sponsor and having my accountability team helps me work the steps so I have made great progress. Today, I have stepped into a leadership role it, it, I've stepped into leadership's roles I would never have even considered before, be, because, before recovery. 
In the past, I would never have had the courage to speak or lead a group. My presence here tonight and the peace I have speaking is a testimony to the work of Jesus in my life. Looking back and seeing where I am today, I never would have thought it was possible for a human being to be so far out of whack and would still be stuck in that insanity if I had not done the work of the steps. Journaling my stinking thinking, being rigorously honest with myself and others, and letting go and letting God take control of my life, of my out-of-control life. So I still go to group weekly and have now been through five step studies. Today, my favorite steps are the first three. I don't have the power to fix myself. I believe a power greater than myself can. I've made a decision to turn my life and my will over to him. The tenth step keeps my list short with God and people, and this keeps me feeling good about myself. And given my past and my tendencies to be overly hard on myself, that is so important. Through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of his will for myself and the power to carry that out, the 11th step keeps me moving ever closer to my goal which is a closer relationship with him that produces a healthier, if ever healthier, me. Through the 12th step, I carry this message to others and practice these principles in all my affairs. Serving others with no strings attached is a great way for me to work to avoid relapse into my old addictive cycles. Early on, I began serving on the food team and helping with the offering on the, weekend, uh, on the weekends at church. This led me to becoming a leader of the food team and a leader of the offering team on Sundays. Uh, this once insecure, shut down, angry little boy was now a leader of the food team and the weekend offering team. The huge change is amazing given who I once was. And I have since stepped down and um, let somebody else do that, but I still serve. Uh, let me pause here and go back a few years when I first started serving. There was a couple that used to serve at the door, greeting people at church and at CR. I watched as their relationship grew, and one day they announced they were going to get married. I was happy for them because they were an older couple, a little older than I was. That, kept me, that got me thinking, I'm not too old to get married again, so I started looking for the right girl. Through recovery, I knew I was in the right place here at CR. If I worked to become healthier and Jesus transformed my mind, I could have a wife again. Well, needless to say, I felt incapable of picking the right woman, so I prayed and asked God if that when I was ready, he would put a woman in front of me that was right for me. As I kept the focus on me becoming healthier, I put more effort into serving in CR and the church. Two years later, I met a beautiful woman. We started building a healthier relationship, and a year and a half later, decided to get married. Sadly, just as the program teaches, there is nothing that pours gasoline on the flame of our character defects like a relationship with the opposite sex. And blended families only make it more difficult. This meant that the day we got back from our honeymoon, my anger resurfaced and would not seem to let up for the next two and a half years. <clears throat> I fought it, but I simply couldn't control it. I'm, I am addicted. And had a relapse. Um, Romans 7.20. If I do what I do not want to do, it is, I no, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. Excuse me a minute. I prayed 
all the time that God would take this anger from me, but it continued. And our home was not the home I dreamt it would be. While this turmoil was going on in our home, I was offered the leadership position I mentioned earlier. Looking back, I see how God answered my prayers for help because my anger was flowing out of, out onto others and the food team was feeling it. Pastor Scott saw it too. One day he approached me with an offer I couldn't refuse. He came alongside me and took me, took me through an anger program that helped me to, to an even greater degree to see where my relapse has stemmed from. At the same time, I was going through another step study which was confirming the fact that I had control issues. In every area, including the kitchen, the offering ministry, and more importantly, at home. <clears throat> As I worked on these issues and learned the triggers to watch for, I learned not so much what they were, but why they were. Today, I am back on track, realizing that relapse did not mean I lost all of my recovery. Things continue to improve at church and recovery, but more importantly, I have learned how crucial the first few lines of the serenity prayer are. I am learning to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, which is my stuff, and the wisdom to know the difference. Again, I am still working my recovery because I am worth it. The ministry is worth it, and most of all, my marriage is worth it. Thank you, Scott, for taking the time, humbling yourself as Jesus did. Where is he at? Where am I at here? Uh, thank you, Scott, for taking the time to humble yourself as Jesus did when he washed the disciples' feet to recognize and help me in my time of need. Thank you, bro. Tracy has been the wife I needed and waited for. Through our many trials and tribulations, I believe we are moving towards the most wonderful place in our marriage that I could have ever imagined. Thank you, Tracy for bearing with me and having the patience and the strength to keep your boundaries up and for your willingness to forgive and having faith in God so great that through it all, we would be here today. You are inspiring to me and I love you. Uh, to the newcomer, I say, don't be discouraged. God works all things out in his time. Keep a journal. Track your life from this moment on, and you will see improvement in, in you that you didn't even know was there. Get into a step study. Work the program because you are worth it. I'm finding that worth in myself today, and it is making a world of difference in how I see everything through tears. No. <laughs> uh, to my sponsors, past and present, thank you for your willingness to speak into my life. It has kept my mind open to the different ways of looking at situations I would not have seen otherwise. Giving me the courage and the knowledge of how to sponsor others in my recovery. I now sponsor others, other men to my accountability team. Thank you for listening and praying for me and trusting me with your hurts, habits, and hangups. I love you guys. As God is my witness, my redeemer, and my foundation, I could not have done any of this without him as my higher power. To him be the glory. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you.
Hey, let's hear it one more time for Randall. I was hoping you would have read a little bit slower. I was over there by the building, so I got my jog in. <sighs> Don't worry, it was only like three steps, so it's okay. But I'm still out of breath. Oh, I'm just kidding. Um, hey, here's the deal is, uh, Randall, I'm proud of you, man. I've seen you uh, on your road, and uh, I've been with you in those struggles, and I'm just proud of your surrender to Christ and letting him reach into your life and transform you. Thank you for uh, your leadership in that. Let's hear it one more time for Randall. That's the last time, I think, maybe tonight. We'll make you do it again. But let's close our time with the serenity prayer. Some of you may have it uh, memorized. Others of you just say watermelon or whatever. But uh, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Amen. First time guest, the table on the grassy knoll, head over there. We'd love to meet you. Second time guest, right up front. Sam and Shaney would love to get you connected to group. Love you guys. See you afterwards for dessert. And don't forget to bring your kid for child care next week. <laughs>